Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin, post-sabbatical, post-live in Louisville, back in the studio. And, uh, boys, there's going to be a little rust. There's going to be a little rust to knock off. And as we were getting uh, set to go, as we were kind of getting the technology up and running, there was a little bit of tension between Piper and Big R, in which Big R shared uh, that he had never been in a fight. So... I, I just thought this was fascinating, and I think, boys, if you are up for it, we need to find a sponsor to send us to the Stronger Man Conference next year so that a couple things can happen. One, Big R can learn how to fight because, obviously, at every Christian conference, there needs to be some some just really good fighting instruction. Uh, I think that needs to be a part of it. And maybe we can get our boy in a, pi- in a fight, Piper, where he doesn't want to punch you through the phone. He wants to punch someone else. So what are the odds? Odds, odds are if it's at that conference, it's going to be Ronnie rushing the stage to punch one of the speakers. There's or, a very good chance of or that. Or one of the worst. Dude, seriously, though, at a, at a conference like that where everybody's all, like, raged up already, you know what I mean? They're already kind of on edge. And it's it's kind of that tough guy moment where, like, do you ever have this experience, Piper, where, like, if you went to certain concerts, like, in college or high school, like, all you would have to do is look at a guy funny and it would be on. Um, I wonder if the Stronger Man Conference would be similar in that, like, you're walking through the lobby, you do that thing where accidentally you walk into the shoulder of another dude, and it's... Quote, unquote, unquote, quote, unquote, accidentally. And instead of just walking by or saying excuse me or whatever, the dude turns and he's like... Dude, what the you know what what the what the blank is your problem? You know, he gives you, you like the up and down look. He look gives you the up down. and down. You know, he gives you the you know roll up Snoop Dogg kind of look. As he's know? holding, as he's holding like yeah. his, as he's holding like his the message in in his left hand. He's holding you know? the message, but he's holding it sideways. Right. You know? <laughs> so, Piper, what are the what, what's the over under on how long it would take to start a fight at the Stronger Man Conference next year, which we're all going to? Well, for Ron, for Ronnie or for, for you? let's do for me first and then for Ronnie. I mean, if if you were if you went in with that express intention, it would be like roll up in the parking lot, honk at someone yeah. for cutting you off, and like it's Dude, go yeah, time. Yeah, if I was in the wrong kind of mood, because um, everybody wants to try a bigger guy, you know, everybody wants to try you anyway, because right. you're bigger. So uh, yeah, it would, it, and 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 you you know you've got glasses, like you you've got you've got this interesting mix where like you're. You're bigger, and everybody wants to try that. But you also have like the glasses, and and so they're like, "How tough is right. he really?" Because glasses are very confusing to people. Dude, about the glasses, the long hair, it would be very confusing. But I, I would be, I could be in a fight before brunch at, at the Stronger Man <laughs> Conference. Baby, now, I love how you, I love how you're just assuming brunch. At dude, brunch Stronger is a Man's part of it. Brunch at Stronger Man is a to part of it. To push against the title of Stronger Man. No, we're doing brunch today, fellas. Dude, it's not going to be like quiche and rolls, though. It's going to be like you know. No, it's it's all dude, bacon. It's, it's it all bacon. Just it's just bacon wrapped bacon, fried bacon, yeah. ba- you know, bacon just and bacon rocks. on bacon. It's all that. Or you get a slab of like raw meat to just gnaw on. There's just going to be like blood running down your face because of how masculine you are. Um, That's now, what Jesus Piper, did. Let's bring it into the context of Big R. How long? How long do you think it takes Big R to get into a fight? And what would the context be? Because I'm guessing. In, in the kind of hipster establishments that Big R hangs out in, like where you're you're paying, you know, seventy four dollars for a donut and you know one hundred and ten dollars for a microbrew, like there's not a lot of fighting going on in those places. Uh, so how do? To be fair, you're really you're really paying for the reclaimed barn door that the donut. Oh, was got it. On. I would never eat a donut um, not off a reclaimed barn door. Are you kidding me? That's yeah. What really, am I, an animal? Not you know, what am I, savage? 
Yeah, what are um, you like? What are you? What are you doing? Dunkin' Donuts now, Big T? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, let's oh, let's oh, do yeah. something that tastes like Dunkin something. Donuts is the White Castle of donuts. It's disgusting. <laughs> I love it. I love how elitist we are. Maybe being elitist in this way would get us into the fight. I think that's it right there, Big T. I think that's what you. I think that's what you're. You're getting close now. I think it's just yeah. we're going to be yeah, sitting I, there with like those looks on our face, dude, and somebody's going to gonna eventually looks, look over. We're going to be making yeah. snide comments. Okay, I. I figured it out. I figured out how Ronnie gets in his okay. fight. I my fir- I had two scenarios in mind, and I've settled in the second one. The first one was it would be not the first worship set, but the second where he just couldn't take it yeah. anymore, and he charged the stage and and uh, just beat the guy over the head who was doing the splits in the air with his mm-hmm. own guitar. So that was that was scenario one. That seemed a little bit <laughs> outlandish. So the second scenario is Ronnie walks up to the coffee bar where they're clearly only serving black coffee uh-huh. because this is the Stronger Men's Conference. He asks for a youth berry oh, tea. That's not going to end and well. And the guy, the guy scoffs at him <laughs> and says, we don't sell that bleep uh-huh. here. And Ronnie goes over yeah. the counter. That's, Dude, he goes over the counter in his little tight, skinny jeans, and, and it's on, you know. Chokes the guy out with his uh, with the shoelaces from his from Chuck his, Taylors, his distressed his, Chuck uh, Taylors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Oh, I love it. I love it. We got to find him another lightweight though, Pipe, because our boy is getting very scrawny, and I'm not going to put him in against you know somebody from a higher weight class. So we're going to have to. I don't know. You, you, Youthberry Rage is not to be uh, trifled with. That's true. It's with. definitely not to be trifled with. And boys, the reason the the entire reason we're talking about the Stronger Men Conference is that. Uh, so, some of our listeners, we have the best listeners in the world, man. Our, our fan base is the best, and they send us funny things from time to time. And one of the things that somebody sent was a video uh, that was taken at the Stronger Man Conference in which it looks like our boy Ferdy was there in attendance. Um, I haven't seen the video. You've seen it, Piper. Can you walk us through what you saw? Well, it, it, it's a it's a recap video. So, you know, it's like the oh, okay. highlight yeah, video yeah. of the whole thing. And I, to be fair, I didn't watch yeah. the whole thing. But our ingenious listener said it's at the 45-second mark when mm. he shared it. So went straight there. And uh, there's just like two seconds of somebody who appears to be, you know, beard, deltoids, mm. all of it, Stephen Furtick, laughing uproariously in the Ooh. audience. So, like, he's not on stage. It's not a green room. He's just in the audience. This is this is probably as as like as normal yeah. life as Stephen Furtick gets, and then it you know and then it moved on to you know boxing matches and you know wrestling bears Gun and whatever shooting. else they did yeah. there. So yeah. Uzi shooting, yeah. Uzi time, um, at, Rambo. And I you know I didn't see him the rest of the video. I I'm assuming he wasn't wrestling bears. You know we wouldn't want to get scars that would mess with his preaching. Um, so so yeah, it was just that. It I just found it. Fascinating. Well, a great catch by absolutely. listener who absolutely. found it. That means because it was huge. a quick yeah. grab. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's that's CSI level observation right there. And then, uh, and then second, I found it fascinating that Stephen Furtick desires to be a stronger <laughs> <Yeah>. man <laughs> in some way other than the dude. Waiver. Right? Like, it's like that he saw the lineup for that conference and he's like, you know what? That's something I need. I, I need to become stronger. And and what's more fascinating about that pipe is the fact that like, okay, let's let's break it down a little bit real talk here um i think it is safe to say that the three of us we each in our own distinct ways have very considerable egos and i can't think of a lot of things that i would go to just as a fan you know what i mean like you 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 get to a certain point and it's like i want to be there for a reason i just don't want to buy a ticket and be a fan but yet ferdy at by all accounts just bought a ticket to be in the audience at stronger man um my question to you boys is 
What would you do that about? Like, what would you be okay just be buying a ticket like the regular general public and just being a fan? Oh my gosh! I mean, like, aside from concerts and sporting events, yeah, it, like a con- conference, conference specific? specific or author specific, something in our wheelhouse. Because I, yeah, I mean, it, I guess concerts and, and ball games are the obvious ones. I. <clears throat> I don't think I would pay money to hear someone I would, talk. I would not. There's not one person in like, the world I would period. pay money to hear talk. Not one. <laughs> no, yeah. like I, I have spent, you know, since leaving yeah. home at 18, I have spent my life avoiding being forced to hear people talking. And yet our lives still include a lot of that. So, like, why would we pay for it? You know. Um, right. Well, and that's and that's another reason is you know you you end up at enough conferences for work sure. reasons or publishing reasons or whatever, and all the more reason to not voluntarily inflict that. Absolutely, on yourself. absolutely. Big R, what about you, man? What are you what are you checking out as a fan? Oh my gosh, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I I hate live concerts, so I don't even do that. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't enjoy live music at all. I don't, you know, so I, it's not even the it's not even paying the money. I just can't think of anything. I, I can't think of anything that I want to like go out and and, and do, you know, like yeah, to that level. Yeah. Like right, yeah. like I'll you know I'll drag Big M to a movie because she's not really into movies, and every once in a while we go to a movie and it's like the highlight of the year, right? Um, because yeah. you know we got out and we saw a movie, but like anything other than that or bigger than that, I, I like I don't even know. I, I literally don't yeah. even know because I don't I don't really I just don't really like um, like whenever you're out and you're thinking, gosh, how great would it be if we just would have stayed home and like watched this at home. Yeah, no, I know. I have, I have that feeling often at concerts. <laughs> like, dude, I would have like all my food. I would have like, you know, I would have this. I would have, I'd be all comfortable in my sweats instead of yeah. my skinnies that I have to wear right now and be like super uncomfortable and, oh, and of all course, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'm sounding like super old man and daddish with that, but I mean, that's just, dude, I think we're, at, I think we're all sounding a combination of old man and daddish, but also like super egomaniac old man. Because <laughs> I, I think, I think kind of what we're saying is we're too special for any of this stuff. And we would never just go. Like what we're not. saying is like we want you to pay that, to come see us. I think what that means is we've us, arrived. But we would yeah. never come and pay to see and hear you. But please, Dude, that, that, please continue to pay to come and see and hear us. Yes. That'd be an interesting twist on Live in Louisville. If, if we if we just went to some – showed up at some <laughs> random fan's place and just listened to them talk for, for like an hour and, hour, hour and a half. Does, does stand-up comedy count as paying to hear someone talk at you or is that kind of more on the performance? That's more of like a movie. Because I think I would pay concert. to go to certain stand-up – Dude, I would pay to go see okay. certain stand-up comedians for sure. Like that that's a fun experience. Like I've I've done some of that in the past. Yeah, that I mean, I would do that far more than I would, you know, go listen to somebody, you know, scream at me about being a stronger oh, man, dude. Yeah. Uh, that being said though, and I want to I want to close the loop on this conversation. If you are a deep-pocketed sponsor type and we know you're out there, uh, our our listenership is diverse, we are global. Uh, this is a global worldwide corporation, so we know there are people out there with the resources to send Pipe, Ron, and myself to the Stronger Band Conference next year. So we want to be there. We want to be there. Uh, intrepid reporters behind the scenes, uh, kind of going rogue, kind of going undercover to see really what goes on at Stronger Band. So hopefully, boys, uh, the three of us will be converging in beautiful Springfield, Missouri, which is just gorgeous this time of year. I mean, March, April, and Springfield, get out of here. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a destination. I'm Ron considering another sabbatical there, baby. 
Yeah, baby, you're going to have to work yeah. that around your 11, like, sojourn retreats and some of the pampering that goes on there. But uh, but if you can I'm make it I'm thinking about time. Springfield. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Springfield. I mean, it thinking was Springfield. Up- yeah. yeah. Don't have to say yes or no right now, but just right. think about Springfield. It's on, right. It's on the list. Springfield has always been on the list for me. Always on the list. So, boys, speaking of egos and speaking of our business, um, Piper shared a fascinating tweet with us this morning. And it was by a guy who's like – Name I've sort of been aware of, I guess, for almost a decade. And this dude, his uh, his shtick is his name's John Acuff. He used to be like funny Christian guy, like Christian haha guy was his shtick like a decade ago, and now he's like Christian marketing branding guy. Um, and Piper, why don't you lay that tweet on us, man? Just read it out loud, and I want to get y'all's uh, responses to it. Yeah, he uh, well again, this was shared shared by a listener with us, so credit where it's due. Uh, the tweet simply says, authors, promote your books like crazy. You didn't spend years fighting the fears, doubts, and frustrations to let someone who has never written a book tell you what you're, <clears throat> tell you that you're talking about it too much. <laughs> nice. So here's the thing, boys. Um, we have all written books. We've written several of them. Um, I like writing books and I value writing books. But in no way, shape, or form do I think it's the hardest or most special thing there is to do. Um, so I guess that's the first level on which I, I took umbrage to this tweet. Um, Big R, how does this land with you, man? Um, and then and then we'll ask Piper. Yeah, I mean, is it a cuff? Is he the guy that wrote like the stupid things stupid Christians do, or something <laughs> like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's this podcast. Um, the, the, it was called Stuff Christians oh, Like, right. and it was just sort of like it was it was a really it was really clever and funny. Just sort of a look at like these really weird, uh, you know, subculturey things that happen in in the white. Yeah, church. right. Okay, because I, I, man, that was a long time ago, right? So I, so I don't know. When I look at a guy like uh, like Acuff, man, I I just feel like there is this like self seriousness that immediately just I push back on, which is like, man. You got to take your art and yourself like so seriously, and the fact that like he went from like like faux like Faux funny guy to like <laughs> branding guy. I mean, to me, that's like I just like I just don't I don't get the connection between like those two things except for he's a guy that spends like a long time doing his hair in the morning kind of a thing, and um, so like I I don't I don't really get the connection with that and the whole like. Man, you know, you just got to get out there and don't let anyone like push against like the seriousness of what you're doing. To me, that's just like, oh, red flags just like popping up everywhere and and just really not fun. Yeah. Piper, I think I texted you after you shared that with me. Like in the span of a decade, Acuff has gone from Christian funny guy to Michael Hyatt. And I I don't know, I I guess not having paid it. Well, in in the decade prior to that, Michael Hyatt went from obscure uh, executive at Christian publisher to, to Michael, Michael Hyatt. Hyatt. So that seems that seems to be the well, hold on, Dude, boys. I mean, like, I need education, man. I mean, tell me, yeah. what is it? <laughs> what, is, what does it mean that he's a branding guy? Because I feel like when people tell me that, <laughs> I just I just think of them as being guys that take too long to do their hair in the morning. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, everything's perfect. They're like yeah. these guys that are like super uptight. And like, you know, like when you, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to go on and on and I'm going to offend a bunch of people, but it's just. You, you might be reading a lot of uh, music industry into this because I feel like branding may have a slightly different connotation. A branding guy in the social media age is somebody who screams loud enough that they can help you get famous that people But who's listen. like Acuff getting famous? Well, he's he's like writing books and charges thousands of dollars to speak to people about their brand. I guess he's and gotten himself like famous. Go con- consult with business. Yeah, he he has he's built his own fame. So he, yeah, he started with Christian Funny and then went into oh, essentially okay. essentially books books about so chasing you guys should have said the word consultant and then it would have made sense to me. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is the guy who <laughs> Sorry for leaving. I buried the lead. Like I your corporation brings him in and he like paces around on the stage excitedly in like an over the ear mic and he's totally, he's old. He's carrying like a like a dry erase marker and kind of pointing with it and behind him is a huge screen with the word like ignite or you know <laughs> inspire or whatever like or stronger well, it's, man's. It's that. Stronger well, man's. The, yeah. That's one version. That's that's a little bit of like the baby boomer uh-huh. version. This is the this is the like this is the overcoming your fears mm-hmm. version. It's the vulnerable version. So it's like that. the uh, that's that's it's like the, the Rob Bell version of it. Is that what you're saying, dude? I actually I hate yes, the vulnerable version of that. I'd rather have the baby boom version. I mean, I don't I don't like yeah. either versions because the first one's not inspiring and the second is pathetic. Right. But um, it, it it's that version where it's much more like. You know, you you're at your lowest. You you know you've 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 given into the man. You've whatever, and now it's time to start overcoming your fears. And like you can do it. And it was a lot of this stuff, like fighting fears and doubts and frustrations. Like those are all very real things. Um, but uh, but but like it's just a bit disingenuous when a person builds a platform on someone else's. But fears. dude, where is he? Like like. So is he just literally one of these like seminar dudes? Where like where's he at? Like where's he at in terms of like you know theology? I mean like like where like where's he at? Who is he? Dude, he's probably nowhere I mean, he's, in terms of theology because that would exclude <laughs> someone in the audience. You know what I mean? And I, I don't say that. Hi, in I'm a John Acuff, and I am nowhere. <laughs> well, when you're theology. nowhere, that that means you could be everywhere. You know what I mean? Which I think for a branding guy, yeah, is important. he's he. He would be he would be very I mean I don't know what he says publicly because he he his branding stuff has moved away from being faith based it's just very much more like the story of your organization oh, okay. it's he has a book called like Punch Fear in the Face mm. or something like that he and, stronger man's um, he should so well he he's so he's very like catalysty and and sort of that it's so it's a it's. It's I don't know. It'd be called like inspirational, self-helpy. Yeah. Dude, didn't leadership consultancy? Even though he's works for himself, I don't. I mean, I'm not sure how you lead when you're self-employed. Didn't our boy Donald Miller have the same arc? Didn't he yes, kind of take this path? That's what I was too? thinking about, Big T. That's what I was just yeah. thinking about. Yeah. Okay, so here's here's the difference between Donald Miller and John okay. Acuff. Now, I'll say this. I've said this on the podcast. I'll say it again. I'm so sad about the direction that Donald Miller took because I liked it when he wrote about things of the yeah. soul. Because while I didn't always agree with him, thought he had a he was a I loved sure. his writing, I loved his take on things. It was engaging, if not mm-hmm. always uh, something that I totally agreed with. Then he moved into this branding thing. Here's the difference: is that is that uh, Miller has he used plot devices? Uh-huh. So this you know like the seven basic plot lines. 
to build a branding philosophy to help organizations like find the story that they are telling about their product. Like it's pretty yeah. genius. Acuff is an inspirational speaker. Mm. He's you know he's like Matt Foley minus two hundred. <laughs> I have no idea anything you just said, Pipe, but I I agree with you. <laughs> Do you know? Are you familiar with Chris yeah. Farley? You know Matt Foley, the motivational the, speaker, lives in Van Nuys. Yeah, it was more. It was more talking about Donald Miller's thing that I meant. Yeah. Okay. His plot. His plot well, see, lines so and his somebody, story. I, yeah. I, okay. Sure. See, I work. I work in marketing, and like he he does an effective job of helping people communicate about what they do. Yeah. Like that's that is marketing. Uh, Acuff does a really good job of helping people feel better about themselves, so they write books. They I guess be that's writing. marketing too, though. Oh, it's marketing. It's just not a good kind. <laughs> Boys, one of uh, one of Acuff's takes, though, in that tweet is this sort of, you know, reverential tone about writing a book and how it's the hardest thing and 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 all this stuff. Um, which begged the question, and this was this is a big R question: What compels us to write? Um, what compels us to write books and magazine articles? And I think. There are kind of two answers to this. One answer is the the very marketing friendly version, the the things that you probably tell your book publisher. But but I, I think there's a deeper answer, and there are probably deeper motivations for the three of us. So, uh, Piper, I'll start with you. You've written a lot, and you are in the book business on uh, on both sides of it. So, uh, what about you, man? What compels you to write? I mean, it depends. If it's an article, usually it's just like it's an idea I can't shake yeah. loose. It's you know, so it's the thing that. I keep circling back around to because we've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, if you are somebody who who loves to write, you think in terms of writing. Everything it runs through the filter of is this an idea I could write? You know, so you hear you hear a sermon, you read a book, you're listening to a podcast, you whatever. You know, you're watching a game, you're watching a movie. Like, there's just sort of that's the filter. And sometimes something gets caught in that filter, and like that's the idea you can't shake loose. Um, Sometimes it's something that pisses me off, and so like, I, I have to figure out, is that something I want to address? So it could be something theological or social or whatever. Sometimes it's something inspirational or reflective, but it just sort of it, – it's that thing that gets caught in the filter. Uh, and if there's enough to be said about it, then it's a book instead mm-hmm. of an article. Bigar, what about you? Yeah, um, I like to – I like to create things and I like to finish – things that I create. I like mm. the fe- I like the feeling of completion. I, I love things that start from nothing, but I love the feeling of finishing something because I'm in kind of a business where nothing's ever finished. So there's mm. so, whether it's writing or recording, there's something about like a, a book, article, song where that's it. Once it's done, it's done. And um, and I, I just I love the feeling of that, being able to like have sort of like the like a finished product in yeah. my hand. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, so that's why I, that's probably what really uh, compels me, I guess, to like do things of that of that nature. But yeah, yeah. What about you, baby? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's a combination of the two. I, I I'm with you, Big R, and that I do love the I love the finished product. I love you know seeing a, a project through to completion. I, I think for me though, I like. You know, it's always more exciting in the in the creation phase, like in the early stages. Like you have the idea and you're enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. And um, I love, from a writing standpoint, like I love feeling like I get a sentence right. You know, feeling like I, I say it in the best possible way that I can say it. So, um, 
you know, I think that kind of always keeps me going back as a writer, um, just on a completely like, I guess, authentic level. Um, I think I write for the same reasons I, I play sports is that it, it does make me feel a little bit different. Um, and I like, I like that. I like that not everybody does it. So I I guess that keeps me coming back to it. Mm. Um, Trying to well, be special until, until they start until they start following John Acuff's instructions. Dude, then everybody's going to do it, and everybody's going to feel super good about it, you know, because it's they they will have then done like the hardest thing in the world, you know. <laughs> um, no, nah, I mean, I at some level, like, and, and I think the third <laughs> way is like I just discovered that I was good at it, and you know, you want to make a living, and you want to make a living doing something that you halfway enjoy and are good at. So you know, I just kept doing it. I. I have a question about what you yeah. just said because you just used a phrase that I think is is hard to spit out for somebody who's trying to balance like having a good reason for writing and being yeah. humble but also being honest. And that is I'm yeah. good at it. So it's like that's that's a hard thing to tell somebody else. It's like, no, actually I am I'm a good yeah. writer. Yeah. Why is that so hard, Pipe? But, Why is it hard to, to say that? But I agree. I mean I uh, I mean, because we're allergic to bragging yeah. in an overt sense. We're not allergic to humble bragging, and we're certainly not allergic to self-promotion in some way, shape, or form. I mean, we sit here and bloviate on a podcast <laughs> once a week with all of our opinions. I know. So clearly Dude, I that's love not that. a problem. I love, I love our hypocrisy in this. It just knows no bounds, and that, that makes me happy. But So yeah. let, let's <laughs> – but, but we also occasionally try to be a little introspective yeah, sure. and honest. Sure. And so let's dig into our own hypocrisy. No, I, I am loath – like here's the thing. I read a Christian book and 9 times out of 10 I think I'm a better writer than that sure. guy or that lady. Um now 1 time out of 10 I'm yeah. jealous because they're a better writer uh-huh. than I am. Um but saying that out loud makes me feel like a real douche. Too. Yeah. Um does it make me one or does it just make me I think me it just feel makes like you one? an actual like living breathing sentient human being because who doesn't have those feelings? You know what I mean? I'm sure look look you can look at all three of our walks of life, similar as they are, and I mean, I bet Big R has that competitive feeling when he listens to somebody else in his same genre of music or, or whatever. Like you, you hear a record, or in our case, Piper, you read a book, or for, in my case, when I was younger, I would watch, you know, an athlete at my same position, and I would go, I could do it better than that guy, and that's why you work. That's what keeps you going. And I actually just read a great article by Chuck Klosterman, who's one of my favorite writers. I just sent this to you, Pipe. Yeah, you, you emailed it to me like two minutes. Yeah, before the yeah. In, intending just for you to read and enjoy it, not for it necessarily to be to be something that we talked about on the air. But Klosterman's whole deal was that like you need a nemesis, and you need like an arch nemesis or an arch enemy in your in your life, like in your professional life, um, somebody to chase after. And I and I think the desire to be better is a real thing, you know. And and also to to your point, Piper, about saying. I am good at this. It doesn't feel, I don't know. It doesn't feel braggadocious at all. In a way, I think it would be, it would be weirder for somebody who's good at something to like disingenuously sort of bloviate about how they're nothing special because they're, they're wrong. Um, there's this great line in, in, um, Oh, what was the David Foster Wallace movie with Jason Siegel? The end of the tour. Have you seen it? Have you guys seen that? Either of you? Yeah, it's a great movie, great writer's movie, but, um, Wallace is riding in a car with this guy who's doing a feature on him for Rolling Stone. This guy's doing a profile. And um, Wallace is kind of doing the thing that we all do, which is to to sort of be self-effacing. And, and he's charming about it. But the guy is basically like, 
you know, that's crap. People don't buy a 1200 word novel because they think the author is a regular guy. You know, they, they, they buy and read a 1200 word novel because they think the author is special. And, um, you know, not that any of us are at that level necessarily, but, um, I, I would argue that we all do this because we think we are good at it, or at least we are think we think we're better at it than most people. Um, is that a thing that I should feel uncomfortable about? Like feeling that way? It just depends what you self-identify with. Cause I, I don't really, um, I don't know. Like I don't walk around. I don't really consider myself necessarily, even though I write a lot, I don't, I don't walk yeah. around like self-identifying as, as a writer. You guys, you know, and, and I'm okay with like kind of stepping back and going, Oh, you know, that big T, that Piper. I mean, yeah, those, those guys are better writers than me. Like it's just, it's not like a thing that yeah. I hold really like close and treasured in, in terms of like a skill set that I've developed. And yeah, but so, it wasn't your first vocational thing either. Like this is sort of second yeah, career wasn't. for you. So like I can yeah. be, so like I'm not, I don't hold it so tight. So I'm like, I'm perfectly, like I would never read a book and go, oh, this is just killing me because I wish I would have written it or I think I can write yeah. it better. Um, like in the sense that I might think I could write that better, but like it's not messing me up that I didn't write it because I yeah. just think, well, okay, you'll do, you'll do something else. Um, mm. I probably I would struggle more of that like you said Big T with like songwriting or something of that nature. But yeah, writing yeah. I'm actually I, I have a I want to keep sort of this loose grip I have over it because mm. I don't want it to be I don't want it to like to be the thing I've become even though I I do more writing now than I ever have and I yeah, and I do th- I do think I've like acquired some skill in it. Like sure, okay. Yeah. You know, but like it it doesn't I don't feel like it boosts me. I don't feel like boosted by it ever at all. Mm. I don't know. But that, that's just my experience, you know. Yeah, interesting. Piper, anything else to add to this discussion? I have another yeah, question. Yeah, lay it on us. <clears throat> when somebody asks you what you do, uh-huh. Ted, do you do? You, I mean, so you you like mm-hmm. myself? And Ronnie would be in the same camp because we all have full time jobs that are very easy to describe. Yeah. I'm a marketing manager. You are a professor. Ronnie is a pastor. Um, but we are also all creative people who write books, write articles, mm-hmm. make music. Do you tell people that you do those things or do you just tell them your job? Uh, I usually just – And the reason I ask is because I feel so pretentious when I say I'm yes, a writer yeah. or even worse, I'm an author. Oh, that oh. makes me feel like such yeah, a tool. Yeah, it, it should. I think we should all feel like tools for saying that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I usually just tell them the day job. You know, I tell them like I'm, I teach at a college. You know, I teach you at – journalism at union and, and just let it go from there. And, you know, if they ask follow-up questions, I'll, you know, indulge, but, uh, but yeah, saying I'm an author feels like, uh, it feels like some sad people that you run into at like writing conferences from time to time. And, and, you know, they're, they're the ones giving copies of their book out to like the waiter at the restaurant where they go to have lunch. And there's just a hunger there for approval that, um, they're probably deep down, like I do struggle with, but it, but it also makes me uncomfortable, like at, uncomfortable enough to like keep it at arm's length. You know? Yeah. But I, yeah, exactly. We, you, we refuse to yeah. claim it even though, even it's, though it's there. there. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want people to know that it's there, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. But what about you, big R? You just say pastor. Yeah. I, man, I avoid any of the extra stuff like the plague. I, I mean, you have to literally drag it out of me. I mean, I just would never, never go there. Yeah. Cause I just do, I just feel like you're just trying to be. You're, you're trying to you're trying to do the extra special, you know, mm-hmm. and it feels embarrassing. Yeah, it feels a little bit like claiming a it status. Does. Yeah, you're, you know, you're trying to say, look, I, I'm not just so it, average. I also do this. So let me elevate myself just for you know just 
just just even an inch, you know? I'm not just that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it strikes me as this sort of persona curating that, like, I find insufferable on social media. So, like, why would I do it verbally? You know what I mean? Right. Um, it just feels like a bad idea. But, uh, yeah. But promote, but promote your book relentlessly and don't let anybody tell you to stop. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Dude, does anybody <laughs> promote their book relentlessly that we like? Like, what does that look like? I... I I have a hard time like placing that in terms of people that I like. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a big, big difference between sharing and promoting. Uh I think, I think the people who we have an affinity for, who we would like to hang out with are sharers of their work. They, they believe in their work. They stand behind their work. And so they share their work. Uh, promoters are people who are kind of like, there's a big difference where they, 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 they believe their work is exceptional and they are, they're selling their work as opposed to sharing. It's sort of like, it's, it's the difference between conversing and talking. Yeah. And I guess as an author, and maybe this is like a, an antiquated notion Piper, but you can help me out with this. Like I always felt like it was my job to write a great book and it's kind of technically somebody else's job to quote unquote sell it. Um, in the same way that like, if you go to the doctor, you don't expect the doctor to be like uh, canvassing your neighborhood with pamphlets about his doctor's office. Like somebody else is selling it, you know, <laughs> somebody else is like doing the commercial and like he has a job and his job is to, you know, listen to your heartbeat or put the thing in your ear and prescribe some pills or whatever. But his job isn't to also be out like shilling for the practice. And I guess that's how I always looked at at writing, but I, I think I take umbrage with guys like Acuff because guys like Acuff put the onus of sales on my shoulders as the author when I just think the onus should be write a great book. Um, well, I mean, in, with this is we're getting into we'll get into the publisher weeds for yeah, a second uh, at the risk of boring everybody. But if you're interested in writing books, this is important. Uh, in the marketplace of books as it is, Publishers can't sell books the way they mm-hmm. used to. It used to be they, publishers are still profoundly important when it comes to distribution and getting books into bookstores and Amazon and different places. But it used to be that if you got published, you didn't have to yeah. do a lot. Uh, if you had the capacity to do things like you're a speaker or a pastor or whatever, like that was a bonus. Now, one of the major decision making factors in whether or not you even should be published is how much selling you can do. Yeah, it's the platform which. Uh, you know, which which raises people with platform and no writing mm-hmm. ability, and diminishes those who can write a great book and can't sell yeah. any because publishers have yeah. to make money. So it's it's a catch twenty two. But the fact is that the onus does rest on the author to do a lot of the mm-hmm. selling, and I, that is a perpetual tension that I feel because I hate self promotion in the in the promoty sense. But I also know that I am I am sacrificing sales by not being a out and out self promoter. Yeah. yeah, because and, the and game I, the game changed so much. Like, yeah, what you said is really true, uh, Pipe. Because again, what you used to have to do to promote your product was to go um, showcase it um, in terms of like, hey, I'm going to do a book signing, I'm going to speak, mm-hmm. I'm going to play a concert, I'm going to you know. And now you're literally you're at because of social media, you're and because of the because of brick and mortar going you know south. You are yeah. uh, you're asked to promote in the ways that publishers used to assume the role of, of promoting your product. You know what I mean? So now you you have to sort of be in partnership now, doing the same things that record companies, publishers, um, publicists 
like it, it, the, when the onus used to just fall completely on them. Like now we have to share that burden. And, yeah. um, and again, cause there's, there's different ways to sell things now. And, um, and the old, the old methods are just fading away. It's kind of a bummer, especially if you love product, you know? Well, and especially if you love to write, like yeah. I, I love social media, but I like the engagement and the, I don't love the platformy aspect mm. of it. I, so I would love it if I could write a book and a publisher could just move tens of thousands of copies or, or even like several thousand right. copies. Let's not, let's not get crazy yeah. here. Um, whereas it, it, instead the public, like a publisher has a ceiling when working with somebody like me, cause my name doesn't extend far enough to just sell copies. There are some people, you know, a listers who they publish a book and there's enough people who just want what so-and-so puts out. But yeah, then it, it is, it is a bummer because I would love to write and then interact with people about what I wrote, but not promote yeah. what I wrote. Yeah. That would be, that would be the best way for me. And I think Ted, you're probably the same way except without the social yeah, media. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my philosophy on all of it has always been to, to whatever degree I can, I will say yes to almost any, interview request or anything like that that comes across my transom regardless of the size of the publication i'll say yes but you know i i will definitely not be doing any sort of personalized shilling on on social media so um and thankfully that's been that's been kind of enough for a lot of the publishers i've worked with and in fact this like this little exercise of bloviating into into our computers once a week has been in a way enough to placate them because they see this as analogous to like having a social media presence, like at least I'm connecting with an audience in some way. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's been helpful. It's been super helpful because this is a thing that I feel comfortable doing. Whereas I don't feel comfortable, you know, uh, bloviating about myself on social media. So like, it, it's been a good compromise in that. Cause I feel like we're giving people something. I mean, you can argue about the value, but like people enjoy it. So <laughs> like people enjoy it. People listen to it in their cars or, or, you know, listen to it while they mow the lawn or whatever. So we're giving people some value, um, which, which makes this a little bit different and it makes it a little bit more comfortable. If that makes sense. Makes sense to me. Let's keep podcasting and, and not. Dude, absolutely, man. I feel like we solved some problems today. This is good. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, boys. Uh, it's, it's good to be back kind of doing radio in our, in our normal context, as much as I like the live shows like this, this has become comfortable for me. So, um, this feels you feel right. like, do you feel like you have your feet under you, Ronnie? feel like you, you've, yeah. you've found your stride. Back at, work, good. Man. Back, back at the grinds. Yeah, man. It's been a, it's been a re-entry, man. I mean, you know, um, you know, how that stuff goes. So it's, it's, uh, I'm just trying to get my feet back under me. I'm trying to get on level ground uh, feeling a little rusty, you know, with the with the uh, with the rant. I mean, that's all right. You know, we're yeah. all going to come back. It's all going to be glorious, like it was back in the golden age of, right. uh, of HR. And uh, we're going to get there. Um, we're just working through some things, and uh, we're going to we're going to be better friends for it someday. So we're gonna we're gonna start you out with a little shorter episode today, baby. So I'm gonna I'm gonna draw this thing to a close. I don't want to wear you out. You know, your your first time back. So we're gonna ease you back into this thing. Thanks, baby. Um, I appreciate that. That's kind. You, no problem. I want you That's to kind. be I want you to be fresh and ready to go next week, and we'll we'll lay a little bit more content on you. But boys, we have uh, we've done what we always do on this program, in that we've wandered to and fro throughout these topics. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. 
you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus, so ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.